Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where OP gets his stupid professor fired. Our next Reddit post is from Wreck Me Senpai. So, I was in speech class. It was my last semester. It's completely online due to COVID. Our professor assigned us a group speech that we were to record and send to him by the due date. I thought it'd be easy enough, because he gave us two weeks to work on it, and group speeches weren't anything new to me. He even made separate discussion boards for our group so that we could communicate. This project was worth 30% of our grades, so failing this project meant that you would pretty much fail the course. I wanted to get it done early so that we wouldn't have to worry about it, so I immediately post a message to everyone in the group asking when they were free to do a Zoom meeting to discuss the project. No reply for a few days from any of them. I then post again. This time, I was a little more stern because it didn't seem that any of them cared enough to even reply at all. I waited a few more days. At this point, we only had a week left before it was due, so I just divided up the work and posted what everyone would need to write their portion of the speech about and gave them a date and time that I would be holding a Zoom meeting for the final recording to send to the professor. Still no reply. It was now one day before the speech was to be recorded, and two days before the speech was due, and my group members hadn't made any attempt to contact in any form at all. So, I did the only thing that I could think of, and I emailed my professor explaining the situation. I assumed he wouldn't reply, because throughout the entire semester, it took him over a week to reply to any emails I'd sent to him. I then did the entire group project on my own, which took me the entire night with no sleep. After I finished writing everyone's speech, it was around the time that I had scheduled the Zoom meeting to record. I joined it out of amusement, knowing that nobody in my group would be there. Sure enough, it was empty. So, I did the entire speech myself. But the rubric really put emphasis on transitioning to other group members, including saying their name. So, between every section where it would cut to a different member, I would say something like, and now, OP will explain the importance of blah blah blah. Then, I would mute my screen briefly as if to add a cut, put on a different hat, and continue the speech. I did this for all six portions of the speech. I turned in the speech shortly after, and I filled out the group member role sheet that was due as well. I just put my name in every box that was supposed to be a different member. A week passes, and I see that my professor graded the project. He still hasn't replied to my previous email about the situation, by the way. The professor gave me a zero, stating that it was supposed to be a group project, and that me doing it solo meant that I didn't follow instructions. I was actually infuriated by this, and I knew that emailing him about the grade was as good as useless, so I went straight above him to the board of the college and explained to them what happened. They apologized and said the situation would be resolved within a few hours of me talking to the board. The professor then replied to my email three times, stating that he was sorry for the miscommunication about the project and that my grade would be corrected. Then he scolded me for going above him, saying, You should have just emailed me again if you couldn't get in touch with your classmates. Then he tried putting the blame on me for not trying harder to reach out to my classmates. The next semester, I saw that the professor was no longer with the school. My guess is that it was a habit of his to not reply to emails, and he got fired for it. Also, his corrected grade was a 70. But I was so mentally exhausted from the situation at that point that I didn't care to fight it anymore. Our next Reddit post is from Siphon. At my previous job, I worked on the business support desk. One of the products we offered was a SIM data management service. Basically, you would buy a block of data, let's say 100 gigabytes per month, and however many SIM cards you needed. Then you can assign data to SIM cards as needed via the customer portal. We weren't the actual cellular network provider. We just sold data and SIMs on their network. 
we would often receive tickets about SIM cards not working. 90% of the time, it was a configuration issue. Other issues included signal problems and faulty devices. On this particular day, I received an urgent ticket first thing in the morning about a SIM card that was offline and not reachable. The tech who logged it was very insistent that this was an urgent issue and wanted constant updates. I checked it out from our portal, and I could see that the SIM card still had data assigned to it, so it wasn't a simple issue of running out of the assigned data. Our first response in this sort of situation is to have the user check the physical SIM. Basically, take the SIM card out and then put it back in. Our terms and conditions firmly state that this is the user's responsibility because the SIM card could be anywhere in the country. Not long after asking the tech to do this, he responds that he's done so and he's asking for an ETA on resolution. At this point, I was pretty sure they were lying and that they hadn't checked anything. I get a sixth sense about these things, but I had no proof. At this point, our next option is to have the cellular network provider check the SIM, which takes at least a few hours. Meanwhile, the tech continued to hound me. I ended up escalating the call with the provider, who confirmed that there were no issues in the area and that the SIM card was offline. By now it was mid-afternoon, and I was getting very annoyed with how the tech kept asking for escalations and updates when I knew they were lying about performing the requested checks from their side. If they had properly done the checks, that would mean that their SIM card just randomly failed after working for months, and that just doesn't happen. I decided that it was time to comply with the tech's request to expedite the issue. I drafted an email confirming, 1. The tech had performed the requested checks. 2. The cellular network couldn't find any issues. 3. The SIM had sufficient data available. 4. The next step was a SIM swap, which I would ensure was done immediately. As soon as the email was sent, I called the person responsible for SIM swaps, and by the end of the call, the swap was complete. For those who don't know, a SIM swap is irreversible, and it renders the old SIM completely unusable. Shortly afterwards, the text manager got involved and asked us to postpone the SIM swap because they wanted to check the device on site, confirming my suspicion that this step was never done. I replied that the tech had informed us that all the on-site checks were done already and that the SIM swap was expedited due to his insistence. It turns out that SIM card was in some networking equipment in a mine in some remote province of the country. The tech's company now had to send someone to our office to pick up the new SIM then drive all the way to the remote mine to replace it, potentially a two-day job. I'm not sure if the tech received any disciplinary action, but he never asked to escalate a SIM issue ever again. There was no fallout for us because we were covered by the terms and conditions. Our next Reddit post is from Big Mech. Background. I was homeless after leaving my abusive parents' home at the age of 23. My boyfriend, who was 27 at the time, invited me to stay with him and his family, and I was grateful to not have to sleep in my car and not have to shower in the gym. For whatever reason, my first year with my boyfriend was spent sleeping on a wrestling mat next to the basement pool table. But it was comfortable, minus the occasional basement bug that I woke up to. Pro tip, do not look up house centipedes if you've never seen them. My boyfriend started taking a lot of his anger out on me by starting stupid arguments, breaking objects, and threatening to kick me out. This year I got therapy, medication, and started building my inner strength. The more help I got, the more the outbursts escalated. Cue malicious compliance. For the entire time that I lived with my boyfriend, he would threaten to kick me out as a last straw. For example, if I cried too loudly, he would say stuff like, I am done with this! Quiet down or we're done and you can leave this house. As a result of my therapy, I stopped apologizing and begging this year. 
on the last day of my intensive therapy program, he blew up at me. This time, though, I had everything I was taught in therapy. When he saw that his insults weren't working, he said that I should move out, that living with me was a nightmare, that I'm this, that, and so on. It was so hard to hear, but I just kept quiet and let him rant it out until he stalked off. I immediately texted a friend about a place, and luckily she knew someone who needed a roommate. I was able to check out the place the next day, which I did. I was still numb and in shock, but excited. I could move in right away. For the first time in my life, I could have my own safe place. At this point, I would have actually lived in my car to just not be screamed at all the time. He was bluffing, and boy did the gaslighting turn all the way up when he found out that I committed to moving out. I never told you to move out. You chose to do this. Wow, that's how little you care about me? If anything opened my eyes, it was his backpedaling. At first he tried gaslighting, then criticizing every little thing, then being clingy and guilting me, then love bombing to show that he's actually changing and so on. Y'all, now that I moved out, I can own candles. My ex-boyfriend never let me light candles, and now I have nice ones that I can light whenever I want. I'm so happy that I'm on my own. Oh, they're still together? What? We're still together because he agreed to therapy, since it's hard to just end a seven-year relationship. If you're considering leaving an unsafe place, this is your sign to go. Keep your self-worth close to you. You're worth it. OP, I kind of feel like you need to reread that last paragraph and apply it to yourself. If you were so miserable in your relationship that you would rather sleep in your car than sleep in your boyfriend's house, then something is seriously wrong here. Also, this whole post is just a giant list of red flags from your boyfriend. Like, the dude made you sleep on a mat in the basement? He didn't let you sleep in the bed with him? He never cared about you enough to go buy you a real mattress? OP, I'm really glad that you're working on your self-worth and all, but for real, it's time to ditch the boyfriend. Our next Reddit post is from an anonymous user. Let me start off by saying that this didn't happen to me, but rather to a cousin of mine who's 18 and a senior in high school. She told me the story and gave me permission to share it. So, my cousin has a natural patch of white hair at the front of her otherwise dark head of hair. She's had this all of her life, and it's gotten bigger as she's gotten older. She used to get teased a lot for it at school, until dyeing the hair at the front of your head a different color than the rest of your hair became a trend. And now she blends right in with the other girls her age. I believe that this is called the e-girl look. If you google it, you'll see which hairstyle I'm referring to. My cousin's hair looks similar to this, only she doesn't have to dye her hair to get the light streak. The school she currently attends has a very strict dress code that includes no hair that's dyed unnatural colors and extreme hairstyles, and it frowns heavily on dyed hair in general. When in-person classes resumed at her school, one of my cousin's teachers took one look at her hair and sent her to the principal's office, insisting that my cousin's unnatural extreme hair was in violation of the dress code and was too distracting. Despite the fact that my cousin has never dyed or bleached any part of her hair in her life, my cousin insisted that this is the way her hair has always grown, but the principal was having none of it. She told my cousin, When you come back tomorrow, I expect you to have dyed your hair back to its natural color and don't dye it again. As long as you're at our school, you are to adhere to this dress code. My cousin smugly replied, Of course I'll comply with the dress code from now on. My cousin got some hair dye that was as close of a match to the hair on the rest of her head as possible. In order for it to blend in, she ended up dyeing all of her hair, not just the white streak. 
The next day when she walked in, the teacher complimented her on her natural hair and told her to never dye her hair again. Cue malicious compliance. As with anyone who dyes their hair, the roots eventually need to be touched up as the hair grows. But my cousin didn't bother with doing that. At first, nobody batted an eyelid. It wasn't until her hair had grown out maybe an inch or so that her teacher suddenly looked at her and barked, What did we tell you about your hair? No unnatural colors or extreme hairstyles. We told you to dye it back to its natural color and not dye it again. Go to the principal's office. My cousin did as she was told. The principal asked her why her hair looked the way it did. My cousin replied with, Well, you told me to dye my hair back to its natural color and never dye it again, so I did just that. I dyed my hair the color of the hair on most of my head to get rid of the white streak, which, by the way, is how my hair naturally grows. And I didn't dye it again, so now the roots are showing. I did exactly what you told me to do. The principal called her parents and told them to come pick their daughter up, explaining that due to her multiple violations of the school's dress code, she would be suspended. So her parents came to school, and they brought the family photo album with them, which had pictures of my cousin at various stages of her life, all with the white patch in her hair. In addition, her father also has a white patch of hair on the front of his otherwise dark head of hair. It runs on his side of the family. I believe the medical term for it is poliosis. So the principal reluctantly didn't suspend my cousin, but she did give her a warning that your extreme hair is still a distraction to the other students, and they're going to wonder why you're getting special treatment, so consider yourself lucky. So my cousin wasn't suspended, and she didn't get any more harassment from the school staff. Gradually, her hair returned to its natural extreme color. She still continues to occasionally get disapproving looks from the school staff, but none of the classmates feel like she's getting special treatment, and they think it's cool that her hair naturally grows that way. My cousin says that she will not be returning to that school next semester, and she'll be homeschooled instead. Ah yes, I remember being a young boy of about 14 years old, and how nothing turned me on more than girls' shoulders and slightly different hair colors. Yeah, I would rush home from school, go to Pornhub, and type in hot naked girl shoulders and slightly different hair colors. Man, I will never understand why schools are so insanely obsessed with shoulders and hair color. Like, who cares, man? And on top of that, suspending a student because of their natural hair color will pretty much guarantee you a lawsuit. If this were my daughter and I had to go pick her up at school, then... I don't even think I would come in and like bring a family album to prove, hey, this is my daughter's real hair color. I'd probably just be like, so you're suspending my daughter because of her hair color. Could I get that in writing, please? Because at that point, you have a pretty much guaranteed lawsuit win. Our next Reddit post is from Trojan Horse. Longtime aerospace engineer here. I've worked at most of the rocket launching companies at one point or another. One that shall remain nameless is involved in this story. My crew was stacking the satellite on the booster adapter in the clean room. This was one of the most critical events. Dozens of customers and the entire launch vehicle team was involved. My douchebag manager, who was never in the room during these operations, made a big stink the morning of that all nonconformance should be documented. We'd been having this argument for a while, and this was just him flexing. At the time, nonconformance reports were done online, and they involved digital sign-offs from some engineer who might be thousands of miles away in a different time zone. It could take a day or two sometimes. Since I was leading the whole show, I argued that some common sense should be applied and that I'd be allowed to show my engineering judgment. It's not my first rodeo. It's why I have the job, right? Nope. 
fast forward a few hours, and we're in the middle of this whole thing with a satellite full of super hazardous fuel hanging on the crane halfway attached to the booster. One of my technicians notes that a small piece of two-inch long aluminum tape is blocking a tiny screw hole that he needs access to. Normally, I'd say, peel it off, clean the area, apply a new smaller piece of tape over where it should have been, and let's continue. It would have been a two-minute delay at most. That part was a non-flight critical ground-handing device that was to be removed in the next few days anyways. Enter malicious compliance. I call a halt. I loudly announce, we have a non-conformance and we can't proceed until resolved. This is very rare to do at this time. The customer freaks out and asks me what the hell is going on. I say, we're stuck. We can't finish. We can't go back on the stand. We're just stuck on the hook with hundreds of gallons of rocket fuel hanging above our heads. I say the area has to remain on lockdown until it's resolved. I write the non-compliance report and start the process. My manager blows up my phone. What's the problem? I say, a piece of non-flight tape is in the way, and he loses his mind. He calls a giant meeting with all the brass. All the VPs and such show up since they heard there was an issue with the spacecraft, and then I explain that it was a piece of tape and the uproar starts. Really? That's it? Making us look like idiots? Why would you do that? My boss told me to. Boom. Mic drop. I got my common sense shot calling privileges reinstated. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense in all fairness for your manager not to trust you. It's not like you're a rocket scientist or anything. Oh, wait. That was r slash malicious compliance. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.